The following is a ministry of City Life Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We hope you find this teaching encouraging and instructive. Perhaps you are currently a follower of Christ or are perplexed, skeptical, or even antagonistic to Christianity. Regardless, we would love to hear from you. Please contact us at info at citylifetc.org. Thank you for listening, and please contact us if we can be of service to you. Peace be with you. For those of you that are uh, perhaps joining us for the first time, maybe this is your first uh, Sunday with us, and maybe your first time with us was indeed our Christmas Eve service just a few nights ago. Welcome back and welcome to join us on a Sunday morning on this Christmas. Uh, It is a a joy to uh, have you with us again. Uh, We've been going through uh, the Apostle Paul's letter uh, to the Colossians and uh, we're sort of nearing the end of that. That'll take us into, the, into mid-January. And so that's what we're going to do, uh, even for uh, the, these next two Sundays of Christmas, um, is just continue plugging away. And we'll do that continuing this morning. Colossians chapter 3, I think your order of worship says verses 12 through 17, but I'll actually, for context, be reading verse 11 as well. But Christ is all... And in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of, God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, on this Christmas morning, open our eyes. And so may we together behold wonderful things from your word. Amen. Why do so many people find it difficult to live the Christian life? More specifically, why is it often so hard to be the church, to live together as Christ followers, right? We've got lots of differences. Our frailties, our sin and shortcomings. And why is it that some Christians spiritually grow tangibly, evidently, fruitfully, while others struggle to make much spiritual progress and are often beset by their sin? And not only them individually, but the church corporately. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Colossians here in chapter 3, Uh, Verses 12 through 17, he answers these questions, although he's not directly asking them. 
how does this new church, this ragtag group, wildly different backgrounds, personalities, ethnicities, so many other things, how do they get along? And not merely get along, but thrive, flourish as the church, God's new humanity. That's the topic of this morning's sermon. Last week, Brandon preached on chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, the verses just preceding this. And, and, and here, or I should say then, in, in this passage, uh, in 1 through 11, Paul uses this language of putting off the old self, dying to the old self. I'm not sure if Brandon used the word, but mortification. It's the negative aspect of sanctification and of holiness. And now here, Paul, he shifts to the positive aspects of our sanctification, our holiness, from don't do these things, put off these things, in verses 5 through 10, to now do these things, in verses 12 through 17. I'm, many of you know, I'm a parent of five children, most of whom are adults and living on their own, and when they were younger, Colossians 3 was in constant rotation uh, around our table. We'd circle up and I'd read this passage. Don't do such and such. Instead, do such and such. Right, Joe? I mean, that was just a, a common refrain. And I have to say that looking back, part of it, was likely just sheer expediency and exhaustion over how many times we referred to Colossians 3. And for those of you that have younger children, maybe you can identify with what I'm talking about. But now, I naggingly wonder how much of my efforts as a dad to apply Colossians 3 to my kids' hearts and lives was essentially a sort of Uh, behavioralism, focusing, that is, on the externals without sort of putting the finger on the motivation behind this putting off and the putting on. Well, this is precisely what the Apostle Paul is not doing. (laughs) That is, he's not focusing on cosmetics, externals, mere behavior, He's already talked about it. What's what's Paul's motivation? What should be our motivation for living this Christian life together? Colossians 2, 6, and 7. You don't need to turn there. I'll just tell you what Paul wrote. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, something that you've done in the past, a, a certainty, so now walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught. That is, he's saying, in Christ, you have been already reconciled to the Father, and He has shown you great mercy and grace. Therefore, in light of these things, having received Jesus as Lord, so now walk in Him. Well, here now in chapter 3, Paul's drilling down. He's unpacking what it means to do this walking, this newly walking and growing in Christ. And the primary motivation he gives for living this new life in Christ, 
Do you see, see it there as you look at the text? What is the primary motivation? It's in one word. It's, he doesn't say it specifically. What's, if you could sum it up in one word, what do you see as the, the primary motivation Paul's giving for us living out this new life in Jesus? I think it's identity. It's identity. Look with me at verse 11. Here, and it's not in your order of worship, so you're, you're going to either have to look on your own or just or listen to me and trust that what I'm saying is, is verse 11. Here, that is, Paul's saying, in God, the creator of all things, there is not Greek and Jew, right. two polar opposites, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but... Christ is all and in all. In other words, your former identity, even your foremost primary identity, and that's what these things were. That's why he's listing them off. They were fundamentally known by those things. And he's saying that no longer identifies you. That's no longer what fundamentally marks you. As a person, Jesus does. That's what he means when he writes, Christ is all. <laughs> He's all that matters. And then on to verse 12, because Jesus is all that matters, put on then. And he doesn't stop here. For now, Paul, he drills down even more deeply into our new identity in Christ. And he does it by linking the past with the present. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now, why is this language important? Because he's using descriptors for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, chosen by God, set apart for him for holy purposes and beloved. And now, Paul is taking those descriptors of Israel in the Old Testament and he's applying it to the church as God's new creation. So, do you wonder what, what would have happened if Paul omitted this verse? That is, he just went from put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, etc., it's hard to say, but I, I think what would have happened is their change or their behavior would risk being short-lived. And I'd like to think that Paul, writing this letter to this church that he never met, that he knew this. So let's step back and let's collapse what, what Paul's saying here. Again, I think he's tapping into their motives for living these new lives with new identities as Christ followers. And note, if you look at the, the, the text, it's not primarily individual, right? This is stuff that goes on in, in, in the context of the church. Here's what he's saying. As the church, you are a part of God's new creation. You are now raised up together with Christ. And your old life has died. Christ 
is all that matters. So when you look at someone in the church, your new impulse should be to see Jesus in that person. Not their former identity, or not maybe something like instinctively the first thing that comes to your mind when you see so-and-so, or maybe when they see you, but Jesus. Again, because Paul writes, he's all that matters. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, put on then. Jesus is all that matters. Jesus is all that matters. And God in his great grace, he chose you. You're his And he's made you and me holy. And and he loves you. Therefore, because all of that is true, put on then. I asked earlier why it is that, that so many people in church have a hard time growing spiritually. Or maybe just getting along together. Flourishing in the context of a local church. A fundamental answer, it's flowing right here out of Colossians 3, is yes, right motivation. Right motivation lived out of their new identities. And I mentioned earlier, these identities aren't primarily privatized. They're not primarily individual, are they? But they're corporate. They're together. They're the church. And this presupposes something else. And it might seem so obvious as to escape our attention And I'm referring to knowledge. Knowledge. Throughout this letter, Paul keeps hammering home the same old truths. Right? If you've you've been a part of this sermon series from the beginning, and it hasn't been that long. We've had little bumps in the road, but we haven't been doing this for very long in, in this letter. But what's, been, what's Paul been saying? If you sort of just cursorily look, thumb throughout the pages of, of these, this brief letter, you were this, but now you're this. You, you were alienated from God. You were needing reconciliation, but now in Christ, he's remedied your core problem. Your identity at the very innermost core of your being is now bound up in him. And so Jesus is raised from the dead. So you have this, and so are you. Christ is all, yes. And he's also, Paul writes, in all. Now, he's not saying in every single person. He's he's referring to in the context of the church. So you have this church of little Christs, which is really what it means to be a Christian, And while he's profoundly and radically changed your individual nature, guess what? He's done the same thing for everyone else in the church. And God chose Israel as his own to be holy deeply, and he beautifully loves them. So now is this true of the church today. They have a new identity as God's new humanity, made possible because of Jesus who Paul writes earlier in in the letter, is preeminent. He is, that is, over and above absolutely everything. 
You see what Paul is doing? You see how he's not... You see how he's tapping into identity. He's just pounding that home to help them see this this is who I am. This is true. Right? Those are what are called the indicatives. 12 through 17 are coming up on the imperatives. Because of the indicative things are true, he's stating theological truths. So now, do this. Put on this. You put off these things in Christ. You're now raised up with him. Here's now what it means to walk in him, to grow in him together as a church. This morning I intended uh, to discuss what it means with our new Christ identities to put on certain things. I really had hoped to cover like that whole portion of, of Scripture through the end of, almost the end of chapter 3, through verse 17. But as I was writing this, I, I, I thought it would be helpful for us this Christmas, right? What's going on? I mean, even though we're, most of us are home, we're homebound during Christmas, right? I thought it would be helpful for us to deeply reflect on these identities before we get to that. Just step back at the end of a heck of a year, right? I mean, what a year it's been. Even in the context of our church, what a year it's been. Exhale. And just seek to know. I mentioned knowledge, and this is important. Seek to to know, not just to obtain knowledge for the sake of obtaining it, for theological accuracy, or maybe uh, a spiritual one-upmanship, or maybe you just sort of have a predisposition to, to learning. Rather, I'm talking about seeking to know the God of your redemption. Seeking to know the God of your redemption. Knowing a person versus merely knowing about. And that's important. Knowing a person versus merely knowing about. To know that is what he has done for you in Jesus. And then what this means for you and me and for you and you and and you if you're a Christian and you're watching online. For the church, for this church, because if we don't take the time to step back and ponder and reflect and meditate, linger, basking in knowing God, subsequently knowing ourselves because of who he is and what he's done for us, I too fear that our behavior and our conduct risk being short-lived cosmetic, external behavioralism. And Jesus did not reconcile us to God the Father to be raised up with him, to have his resurrection power and presence surging, living inside of us for mere cosmetics, for for mere performance. He chose you and me as his own precious possession language coming from 1 Peter. He set us apart as his holy ones. And oh, 
Paul writes, he loves us. We are. It's a, it's a very endearing term, beloved. He loves us. Lord willing, next Sunday we'll get to this business of putting on. We'll get to that. And then the next Sunday after that, how that putting on plays itself out in certain um, roles in life, right? That's coming up uh, at the latter part of chapter 3. But for now, this Christmas season, it's just a challenge and I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm going to ask that you would put aside binge-watching your favorite TV show or movie. And this isn't to, to guilt trip you. Just sort of, I know it's, it's in vogue right now during COVID. A lot of people are just binge-watching like crazy. I get together, people say, what, what show? That's almost the first thing people ask. What you been watching lately? What you been, well, I've been watching this, 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 this. And you t- it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of time spent watching it. Now, I'm not getting down on you if you do that. Maybe you're gaming a lot or whatever it is you turn to for entertainment. That's the point. Use this time to immerse yourself in Scripture. Maybe it's even Colossians. Read, reread this letter. It's brief. It's four brief chapters. Then do it again. And maybe pick up an accessible book by an accessible or by a trusted guide. And the first one that came to my mind, Packer's Knowing God. J.I. Packer, who died this year, uh, is now in glory. That book warrants annual reading. It just does. Knowing him, that is, versus knowing about him. Expand, exercise, flex your knowledge of God. Because theology and doctrine matter. Theology and doctrine matters. And here's why. Because right knowing precedes right doing and right living. I'll say that again. Right knowing precedes right knowing, right, pardon me, I butchered that. Let me say it again. Right knowing precedes right doing and right living. And we're going to see that next Sunday with the putting on. Because if you don't know what God has done for you in Christ and your identity in Him at the core of your being, then the way that you live the Christian life is going to be very wonky. It's just going to be, you might even go off the rails. It's just going to be lopsided. Grasp the indicatives before you move on to the imperatives. Lord willing, more on that next Sunday. Please pray with me. Father, we praise you for who you are for your holiness, your glory, your majesty, your splendor, your beauty, righteousness. And that 
When the fullness of time came, you sent forth your son, Jesus the Christ, to be born a helpless babe, taking on our humanity, suffering and dying for us, and that you saw fit to reconcile us to you through him. Oh, may we seek to know you, to know you intimately versus knowing about you. And may you be pleased to change us, to become more like Christ in all of our thinking, conduct, and our whole being. Thank you that in Jesus, our identities are fully and forever changed, bound up in him. Thank you for choosing us as your own, for making us holy, we who are dirty and sinful rebels and inexplicably and undeservedly for loving us. Today, Father, even this week, this Christmas, may you help us together to better know you as our heavenly Father and to better know and to be motivated to live out our new identities as followers of Jesus in this church and in a watching world. Do these things, we ask, for your great glory and our good. For we ask in the name of your chosen, holy, and beloved Son, Jesus, our Savior, Lord, and Redeemer. Amen. This has been a ministry of City Life Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We hope you were encouraged by this teaching. Thank you for listening, and please contact us at info at citylifetc.org if we can be of service to you. Peace be with you.